Well, in terms of race, did you happen to see any of the USAC race last weekend? The midgets at uh, Fort, was it Fort City? A little bit. Seen where. See seen where Justin Grant freaking just took out Chase McDermott. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of sucked. But props to Justin Grant. You know, I did not realize that that was the first time someone has started the season with three wins. I didn't either. I thought, I thought it I, happened before. Me too. I was shocked by that. I was absolutely shocked by that. Welcome, everybody, to Three Wide in the Middle with me, Thomas Brandon, and my man, Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? Doing good, Tommy. How are you? I'm doing good. Then, first of all, everybody, sorry uh, that we didn't get the pod out yesterday. Something came up kind of um, last minute. I was invited on to a, uh, another podcast, um, and I was being interviewed for that yesterday. And I, I knew it was going to take a little while. I didn't know how long. And so we had to push the pod back to today, but we're here. We got, we got some racing stuff to, to talk about and, uh, looking forward to it. But before we dive into the dirt side of things, cause we're going to be talking about the Bristol bash and, and that type of stuff. Keith, what did you think of the Talladega race? Uh, man, notice how they're pretty good if you want to take it's a nap boring. Uh, <laughs> yeah it was i thought it was gonna be a lot like the daytona race that was somewhat exciting had you on the edge of your seat at times and this just had you laying on the couch with your eyes closed I, yeah i was i was not i was not it. either and i don't know what changed from daytona to talladega because there was like the outside line typically at day, at Talladega could be pretty stout, and it was like non-existent the whole cup race. Yeah, it seemed like it seemed like every time they tried to form the outside line, it just seemed Fall to apart. go away really quickly. Yeah, like it, and they would drop back. I in noticed line. they'd get four four more cars up top, and they could never get the momentum built up. And then guys would just ah screw it, I ain't riding around up top, and they would ditch down and. You'd leave two guys up there, and it was just a big freight train for them, which sucked. I mean, as a fan standpoint, it's not your typical Talladega race that you'd like to see. I mean, the starts were more exciting yeah. because, I mean, look at the big crash that happened. There was never really a true big one either. But I think it's the nature of the new car. Yeah, I think so, too. And that's... That's been something that has, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, the, the start of the the start of the season, um, you know, both of us were really happy with what we'd seen. And I actually saw a really interesting um, comment and kind of an interview by Kyle Petty, where he talked about the same thing, which what we kind of what we've kind of talked about, which was, you know, the the mile and a half and the two mile tracks that we've seen so far, those, you know, before those were the ones that were horrible and that's been the best racing so oh, far hands down. where the short tracks and the the restrictor plates have just been kind of man you know and it was it was the opposite of that last season and the seasons before where you know the the mile and a half and the two miles it was just like god i could live without watching this crap and then it was the short tracks or the you know the restrictor plates that were fun so we've kind of seen a flip with um this new car now the thing that does keep me hopeful is that the mile and a half you know that's what makes up the majority of the schedule still even though they've add added you know a couple more unique tracks we've got more road coasters and stuff like that it's still those speedways right the the mile and a half the 
you know, 1.25s and stuff like that. Those, you know, the what they call super speedways, although it's not a restrictor plate. It's those that make up the bulk of the schedule. So I'm I'm fine with that so far. I do think they'll get the short track stuff figured out. Um, I think an easy fix for the short track stuff Change would be to just increase the horsepower or something yeah. like that. I would just say, hey, man, just give them more horsepower. Yeah, for and, the short and, tracks, I, and I completely right? agree with that. And and yeah. I say change the rear end gear, but it's a lot more difficult than just changing the gear. There's all kinds of things in the rear end yeah. now yeah. than what there was last year. Because I know mm-hmm. I went back and rewatched Martinsville don't know what possessed me to do it but it did and man i didn't realize before when i was watching it how boring it really was yes when you can when you go when back you're and shifting watch something like that. and you can't get a run on the guy on mm-hmm. the bottom oh turn it off yeah <laughs> yeah it was really bad it was really bad and i'm with you yeah because i went back and i rewatched parts of it too and i i thought the same thing i was like god this is actually worse yeah. than i remember it being like there's you know. not many times you can say that the Xfinity or even the truck series has better racing. Martinsville, they have yes. better racing. Mm-hmm. They Galladega, really have. They really have. The racing was insane. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, Trackhouse, man, look, watch out. Are they the props? I think there's a new powerhouse coming in. That's that was awesome, man. I got I gotta say Ross that was Chastain awesome. didn't have to do uh, nothing and he won the race. No, he didn't. He didn't. That was a that was a good one. And I and I love the the comment by you know Junior and Boyer after after the race. They're like you know Chastain's been getting a lot of crap for the moves he makes, but this one he just sat there and everything yeah. else happened. It, and it's true. And it's crazy because I really thought Eric Jones was going to win that race, and then they pushed him too far out, and I'm like, oh, no, it's mm-hmm. game over for him. There's no way he is a sitting duck and. Yeah, Chastain just held his line on the yep. bottom and was like, "Eric, this is what you should have yep. done. You'd be smashing watermelons, but you yep. didn't." Yep, yeah, yeah. He 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 got pushed way far out. Larson had a hell of a run. You had Kurt Busch coming up on the outside there. Larson went to go high, and then Jones went to to block him, which forced Larson even higher, and he got into Bush. And so then you have all this chaos, and Chastain just comes right through and wins the race. Yeah. Like it was, it was incredible. <laughs> so. So let me ask you this. Do you think do you think there's any like uncertainty in the ninety nine camp with Suarez knowing that he's our top driver? We bring in Ross Chastain, who's kind of a question mark because he's not proven. Yeah. And now he's won at Coda, he's won at Talladega, he's shown a lot of speed at every racetrack. Do you think Yes think Daniel Suarez be on the hot seat towards the end of the season? Ah, man, you know, I don't know if he would be on the hot seat or not. You know what it, you know what those guys remind me of? They remind me of an F1 team. That's what they remind me of. And what I mean by that is 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 you see this in F1, right? In Formula 1. So you've got 10 teams, there's 20 cars, each team has two drivers. Now, in F1, the drivers are literally in identical cars. They're in identical cars. There's so very few things that are going to be different, even when it comes to like mechanical setup things, right? When you talk about the suspension in the front or the suspension in the rear, stuff like that. It's not like 
um, where they're like, okay, well, we're going to set this up soft for driver A because he likes that better than driver B who wants it stiff. No, they, they, the cars are so aerodynamically dependent that everything that they do is based off of maximizing the downforce grip of the car. So drivers are in identical cars. And in fact, contractually, they have to be. Their, their drivers will sign contracts and it states for the teams that it's like you are not going to be in a lesser car than the driver next to you because it's the ultimate comparison right your teammates but your teammate is your ultimate competitor because if you can't beat your teammate then that shows that you are not better than your teammate it's the one person you want to beat because you're in identical equipment and with track house it it's it's it reminds me of that now obviously in nascar there are differences in terms of the car setup and getting the driver to feel comfortable and things like that. There are obviously differences. Um, but overall, right, those cars are spending the same amount of time in the wind tunnel. Those guys, you know, they've got the same engineers. They've got the same, you know, motors and transmissions and stuff like that. So, um, you know, for Suarez to be in the position and he is compared to Chastain, because like you said, you know, it was it was kind of looked as the other way, like Suarez was the man. Here comes this guy that we don't really know about. And all of a sudden, Chastain's shown to be just a badass. And, you know, I mean, and look, it's not like Suarez has been a bum this season. He's had some really good runs. He's had he's also had some really bad luck. There was a oh. race in there, one or two races that I think he had a legit shot at winning. But you're right. I mean, looking at him compared to Chastain, it's incredible. And I mean, the for Trackhouse to even be in that position, right? I mean, who would have thought that that's where they would be if, right if, now, where they're multiple multiple wins this early in the season? If you would have came to me last year and said Trackhouse will have two wins next year in the new car, I would have laughed. I would have laughed. Yes. Because the only reason why I bring up the Suarez thing, because when he was hired, it was a one-car team. They looked at him mm -hmm. as number one driver. You're our number one focus. Then they buy Chip yep. Ganassi. Then there's all kinds of uncertainty of who they're going to hire to get the second car going, whether it be Kurt Busch, who ended up going to 2311. Then it was like, all right, who are we going to get? Because I, I ultimately thought it was going to be a veteran to help guide Daniel Suarez, because Daniel Suarez showed a lot of promise when it was a one-car team. Yes, then they yes, announced Ross, did. and I'm like, ooh, that's that's tough because they're both – and this ain't knocking either one of them because Daniel Suarez is a champion in NASCAR just with the Xfinity Series. And I looked yes. at – He's a very good driver. Oh, he's very good and very underestimated, yeah. I would say. Mm -hmm. And then Ross Chastain, there's another one, another improving guy, signed on with Chip Ganassi to race a full Xfinity Series. And then that whole fiasco started, and then it got shot down. So he kind of betted on himself, went to a lesser team, still drove the hell out of a car. And then comes the Cup last year. Does okay. I wouldn't say he was good, but he was, he was okay. Yeah. And then this year, just setting the whole NASCAR scene on fire, and I think it is wild. It actually reminds me a lot of when Kevin Harvick left Richard Childress to go to Stuart Haas. Started slow, yes. had a bunch of failures, this, that, and the other. Then they found their groove. And I feel like this one car could do the same thing that the four did in 14. Mm -hmm. I really do. I've been, I've been incredibly impressed with them. 
And to consider the fact that there's only two drivers this season with multiple wins, and one of them is Ross Chastain, the other one is is William Byron, yeah, who is in the 24 car at Hendrick, right? Like, you're talking about the, you can talk about opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to, you know, teams. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? Like, that's, that's, that's NASCAR royalty. It's incredible. It really is. I mean, the season that he's had has been phenomenal. I and I got to tell you, he's been one of my favorite drivers to watch this William season. William Byron, just so because good. he's, yeah, yo, he's the 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 young talent in NASCAR right now really is something to behold. It really is. Now, I mean, when we grew up watching NASCAR, right? You didn't have these young drivers that came in like this, right? Like if you were in NASCAR at like 30 years old, like you were considered like a young gun back then, right? Like that was just how it was. You know, it was really like Jeff Gordon was kind of the one that really broke the mold on that. Like, cause that was unheard of to have somebody this young coming in and being this good. And now you look around and it's like, dude, these guys are they're just so young and they're so talented. And, and sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. I was just gonna say it reminds me a lot of when Kyle Busch started in NASCAR. He was what 16, 14 to sixteen. They're like, ah, we got to change this role. So they changed yeah. it, <laughs> and he goes and beats up on the Cars Tour, and then comes back. Yeah. And wow, now look at him. Mm-hmm. And. I found some things out about that, which is quite interesting. Did you uh, happen to catch any of his press conference briefings with the media at Talladega? No, I did not see any. So there is a lot of uncertainty of Kyle Busch being at Joe Gibbs next year. Didn't realize there was as much as there really is. So they they don't have a deal in place for next year. Really? No. He's he, he I don't even think he's got a contract for next year because of course he's losing his candy sponsorship, which sucks. The Mars family has been yeah. in NASCAR crap for a very long time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I I was listening to Door Bumper Clear, which is probably my second favorite racing podcast. Ours has to be my yeah. favorite. I'm biased. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was listening to them, and then they brought up a valid point. There's only two teams in NASCAR that can afford Kyle Busch. And the second yeah, team... that's true. The second team blew me away, and it it almost makes sense. So the first team, of course, is Joe Gibbs. They can afford to pay everybody mm-hmm. higher salaries than anybody in NASCAR. They were... There was two guys on door bumper clear, Freddie Kraft and Brett Griffith, talking about it about how even their truck drivers at Joe Gibbs makes more than anybody in NASCAR if you're a truck driver, which is yeah. crazy. I figured they'd all somewhat be equal till you get down to like the Rick Ware guys who probably don't make nearly as much. So mm-hmm. they were talking about it and they're like, yeah, there's only two teams that can afford Kyle Busch and the second team is kind of a crazy one with it being Stuart Haas. The more they started talking about it, the more it started making sense. Because if you think about it, Eric Almirola is leaving this year. So that 10 car is open. They don't have nobody in Ford's development program because you're not going to bring Riley Herbst up. He hasn't proven anything. He he can barely get an Xfinity car around the track at some places. Yeah, let alone this. Let alone that and a little bit of it's his fault. 
some of it's just bad luck. Um, so they were talking about it, about Gene Haas having very deep pockets. And he likes uh, he, does. And he likes to bring in veteran guys. I mean, Kurt Busch was on the outs, and they brought him in, revived his whole career. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they could do the same thing with Kyle Busch. But then again, then they didn't talk about it. How would a team go about having a team with Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch in the same stable? Because if you think about it, not too many years ago, Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick didn't like each other. No, they didn't. They do but now. I will say they this. Yeah, I, and I will say this that the when when you you know Kyle Bush, the Kyle Bush of today is obviously not the Kyle Bush of ten years ago, right? Like, I mean, he 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 has grown up a lot. You know, I mean, what is he? He's like thirty. He's almost my age. Yeah. I think. I think he's like thirty-seven he's years in his old 30s, now. And I think a lot. Yeah, he's in his mid to later thirties. Yes, exactly, Same and that does Kevin change. Harvick. I mean, because you... if you look at him, exactly, look how wild he was before Keelan was born, and then Keelan was born. Oh my and god! Kevin Harvick went from this edgy guy to I ain't gonna mess with him yeah. to this laid back grandpa. Yeah, you know, to jumping over cars to choke great yeah. people. You know what I mean? So now he's now he's all chill and relaxed. But but yeah, I I I think that's really interesting. I actually, to be honest with you, I actually would be shocked if Kyle Busch stayed with Joe Gibbs I would Racing. Be too. Just for the fact that I, I think that, you know, he's been there a long It's mm-hmm. just a matter of when. And exactly. And so I think that it gives them an opportunity to open a seat up and obviously a very proven team. And it'll give Kyle Busch a chance and, to, to move on. And another thing that really opened my eyes with it. So Toyota Racing Development, of course, they have Kyle Busch's truck team. Ford mm-hmm. has shown a lot of interest in starting something similar. Well, what's a better foundation to bring in than Kyle Busch and then Ford to throw a shit ton of money to his truck series to develop Ford guys now? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because there's not many Ford teams in the truck series or even the Xfinity series. Yes. No, you're right. You know, all the that. cards are there. Oh, it it's just a matter mm-hmm. of can Ford play the cards correctly? Because uh, Tony Stewart wanted Kyle Larson in the 10 this year, and Ford shot that down because of what Kyle Larson said. Yeah. But, I mean, it's something to watch. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I didn't. I could see. I could see. I didn't that. read in between the lines at the that. time when I watched his interview, and then Door Bumper Clear started talking about it, and I'm like, you know what? That really makes sense. It does. That does make a lot of sense. I could absolutely see that. Will it happen? I mean, obviously we'll have to wait and see. But I, I, I could see that happen. I think that would. Be, I actually think that would be awesome. I really do. Um, just because it, I think it would be cool to see Kyle Busch in a different situation and i think it'd be cool to see what he could do um with stewart haas racing yeah. you know and like you said it does open up different possibilities with the development side of things and could they do something like that i think we're going to see a whole lot more of that now um in the nascar ranks where you know if you look at you know the f1 side of things they start bringing these drivers into these development programs when they're like 13, 14 years old. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're absolute kids. And I think we're going to start seeing more of that here stateside and not just 
the NASCAR ranks, but just the rate, you know, because obviously there's a whole lot more well, racing and, than just NASCAR. Where these manufacturers are going to have these developmental drivers that they start bringing up like and, that. And if you even look at it, as far as from a Ford standpoint, they really don't have anybody in development. I mean, yeah, you got Haley Deegan, but has she proven anything? No, she hasn't. Then you got Riley Herbst. Has he proven anything? No. Unfortunately, he hasn't. Yeah. And then they signed Ryan Priest to that same thing, who's not even racing full-time in the Xfinity Series or Truck Series Cup or anything. He's running a pavement yeah. modified. But he's also their COVID driver in case one of the drivers go down with COVID, and they're going to bring him in. And then they're, they're running one-off races with uh, either B.J. McLeod or Rick Ware with Stuart Haas maintained cars but i, I think mm -hmm. it just makes sense it, it's like a perfect storm almost because not only can you bring in a driver of kyle bush's caliber brings a lot to the table i mean him and kevin harvick being on the same team would be insane just as a what they've done in the sport aspect and what they could do for Stuart haas towards the future as far as kyle bush bringing his truck team and now you got kyle bush and kevin harvick teaching these young kids the ins and the outs. I, it's like a perfect storm. It's brewing. That's just something to keep an eye on. I was blown away because if you think about it, Kyle ain't going back to Hendrick. That that bridge was, bridge was burnt then, and it's yes. still burnt now. Yes. Martin Shrek's Jr. is not going on anywhere. He's under contract. Same with Denny. Mm -hmm. Christopher yep. Bell, same thing. Kyle Busch is the only free agent as of now, and Ty Gibbs is coming to Cup. It's just a matter of when. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You're right about that. And when Grandpa owns the team, so, he's going to get one. Yeah, you've got to see. You've yeah. got to see. You know, especially if you show he talent. He could walk so. in the shop tomorrow and be like, I want that card, and Joe Gibbs would make it happen. <laughs> they you figure know, something out. That's just unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yep, they'd figure something out. So, well, we'll have to see what happens here with the with that. I mean, obviously, we still got a long ways to go with the with the Kyle Busch uh, saga in terms of where he'll be um, next year. But uh, coming up this weekend, they are heading to Dover. Now, this is actually a race that I am really looking forward to because this falls under that category that we were talking about. I wouldn't, you know, Dover is not a short track. It is a one mile track. Um I've always considered Dover a big Bristol, you know, where it's it's high banked, it's fast, it's wide, it's multiple grooves, and so I am expecting a good race this weekend at at if Dover. If not in the Cup Series, definitely the Xfinity Series. Yes, the Xfinity Series has been has actually been a lot of fun to watch this this year. It really has been. Yeah, and so and like I have said it before, there that's one of my favorite cars to watch because you got a bunch of unproven talent that are going all or nothing mm -hmm. yeah so it should be a pretty fun weekend on the nascar side of things now also coming up this weekend last night it actually kicked off which is the uh, bristol bash we've got the world of outlaws both the late models and the sprint cars in bristol last night they started things off with just practice the sprints and the late models they each ran four practice sessions um and obviously you know it's it's practice so you can't read too much into it but 
you know, at the top of the timesheets for the sprint cars flying. was basically, oh my god, dude. They, they were faster were than they were last year when there. me and Wade Fields went. Yes. Well, you know, they've, they they kind of reworked the track. You know, it's not the same as it was last no. year. It is it is a little bit different than it and was I last year. I think it'll make the racing better. I really do. I think so, too. I think so, too. And the the times were just insane last night. Uh, David Gravel in session one with a 13.6, which is absolutely just insane when you think about the size of that track. Um, Shots was fastest in the second session with a 13.7. Uh, Kyle Larson was right there as well. He was a 13.8 in the second session. Uh, third session, right? Craig Kinzer with a 14.0. And then in the fourth and final session, Brad Sweet with a 14.1. So you think about the fall off in terms of the track and from the first to the fourth session and keep in mind the the late models are running in between as well right so you've got all these cars out there slowing the track down essentially and they still sweet with a 14-1 you know to to gravels you know 13-7 in the first session and or excuse me 13-6 and so you're talking about just a half of a second of fall off at a track where they are, I just, it, the speed is insane. I, I, to, I was just blown. I was like last year, I was like, my God, that's so fast. And then the fact that they're faster this year is just and insane. And i tell you what, me and, when me and Wade went last year and we watched Sam Hafer tapes, um, qualifying run where he set quick time. Holy crap. He was flying, <laughs> like, like the racing in general was somewhat boring because it was follow the leader because the track's so big. But like I yeah. told Wade, I'm here just to see the the pure and the raw speed of these cars, and it was freaking mm -hmm. insane. Yeah, yeah, they are absolutely flying around that track, and you know even the. The uh, the late models are flying when you consider just how much bigger they are, right? Like obviously they're not they're they're not going to to get around a track as quick as a sprint car because of just the differences in the cars. But the fact that Chris Madden turned a fifteen three for a late model that it that is insane. It's I mean, how fast wild. those things are going too? Yeah, the speed is so crazy. So I'm really looking forward to. Uh, tonight as they're going to be basically kicking off tonight's the first night of racing we've got the the qualifying and some racing and then obviously saturday night's the big one and, um and i think man for the... the the weather right now for for dirt racing in general is doing everybody in bristol a favor because last year when we went yes it was cold it was rainy and it was miserable because there was one morning yeah. where we woke up and there was ice on everything yeah it was not so yeah not happening right now no. so that's that's a good and, thing and, yeah. and i bring up weather because it's going it's going to play a big factor in the track surface last year yes. it was eh, it was okay i give them i give them a b for trying this year it is make or break whether they do it again next year or not from practice from watching practice i i'd pencil it in for next year because that track looked better yeah. the cars looked racier and of course they're faster and 
let's just hope and pray nobody gets upside down or crashes because if so it's it'll be bad yeah yeah that is the one thing that is kind of scary about it is they are going and, and so that's fast you know part of the reason why they invite only last year Yes, obviously you want to make sure that it's just the best yeah. of the best. And and I from what I've heard it it was somewhat similar this year, which a track that big, you almost know, gotta keep it that way. And that's yes. not knocking Well you wanna make that's sure that's not knocking nobody, but dang, you don't wanna go out there and have somebody lose their life because they're they're a joker, you know. They're in over their head. Yeah, it's another level. You know, when when we were when I was running outlaw carts, right? When I had first got into outlaw carts there was this kid so the first summer we went me and my buddy josh his, his parents took us they told us we were going to a motocross race we get there and i'm like i hear motorcycles but i don't see them where the hell are the motorcycles well they were outlaw carts and so we watched a, f a few races that summer and basically we had gone because they wanted to see if their son my buddy josh would want to do it and he was like hell yeah these things are awesome so next year he's doing it well when we were going to it as kids right because we were like 10 11 years old there was a kid that was racing in the open class at that time and he was only about 11 years old 12 years old and his name was david fowler and he was he was crazy fast man he was so good in these outlaw cards and by the time he was 16 his dad had him in a 410 sprint car and he started running 410 sprint cars his first year of sprint car racing right his first year his dad decides that hey let's go run the knoxville nationals now for somebody who had been racing at silver dollar speedway which is a quarter mile yes they had gone some other places here in california but we don't have a knoxville out here okay like the biggest track that we've got in california right you're talking like calistoga or down south you've got paris right they're half miles they're big tracks but they're not knoxville and the events are not the knoxville nationals and obviously he was over his head i remember talking to him about this years later and he was like dude there was no i should never have been in that race like i shouldn't even have been on the track with those guys you know and of course he goes out and literally he wadded up the car junked it and i mean he kept racing obviously you know the rest of the season but that was his experience at the knoxville nationals you don't want someone like that showing up to bristol because that wreck is not a junked car that wreck is a fatality you know and there are people out there who will still do that right like that's just how racers are you know oh it's a big event i want to go and them keeping it to this kind of invite only type deal, I think is really smart because it prevents that type of situation. Yeah. And that, and you got to prevent it from happening. And then, and it's yes. not no takeaway, not no knock to anybody else. Like last year, there was a guy mm -hmm. there racing. I've never heard of in my life. It was Dustin Daggett and granted. Yeah. He, he held his own. He ran what I would say for somebody that I've never heard of. And I'd look at, He's showing up with the outlaws here. You're a lower tier guy. And he kept up with the field for the most part. And I was like, all right, this ain't bad. Yeah. But you mm -hmm. can't bring a Joe blow up off the streets per se and be like, exactly. all right, so you're going to run this car at Bristol. Just stay out of the way, which is hard to do. <laughs> and, and just don't crash nobody because man, at 144 miles an hour at the end of the straightaway, if you have a sudden impact, 
it it could yeah. be fatal it could be devastating i mean it in a sprint car alone is going to be it'll be bad because in the let's face it them cars ain't meant to get upside down at that speed no no absolutely not absolutely not i mean yeah so. the wing will soften it but it ain't gonna soften it much especially there no Mm-mm. absolutely and knock not. on wood the years that they've done it there's never been any major issues with the sprint car stuff which is good yeah it is it is good so so it'll be it'll be a lot of fun i am looking forward to it now we are going to do our own little bristol bash driver draft so me and keith are each going to pick three drivers three from the sprint car side three from the late model side and then at the end of the bristol bash we'll see who does best it's just our own little way of having fun with it and Keith, I will let you go first. So who do you want? You can pick either side. So you can, three from doesn't each. Doesn't matter who you start with. Okay. Three from each. Three late model drivers, three sprint car drivers. I'm going to start off on the sprint car side, and I'm going to take David Gravel. That is a good Hard pick. to bet against the guy that swept it last year. Yes, it is, and he started the night off fast last night in practice. He looked really, really good. So, okay. Well, I am going to actually go to the late model side, and I'm going to pick Jonathan Davenport because I think he's. I he's think fast. he is one of the. Yeah, I think he's one of the two or three guys to beat on the late model side. That's a good pick. Kind of, kind of stole you. one from me. Damn it. <laughs> well. I'm going to follow that up, and I'm going to stay on the late model side, and I'm going to take Chris Madden. Chris Madden. Yeah, he hits another one, man, that he was fast. All right, Chris Madden. All right, well, I already know my number two pick. That's going to be Brad Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I do it. <laughs> Got to take my man. <laughs> I'm going to stay on the late model side. You know what? I'm, I'm going to gonna kind of go sleeper type pick and i'm gonna go with kyle strickler Ooh, that's a good one all right i am going and i'm i, I gotta grab him just before you do and i'm gonna take my man sheldon hot shield damn when it comes to a racetrack that you need to have huge cojones, uh, yeah. yeah, I will take I will take the hot I'll take hot and shield. <laughs> well, before you steal all my picks, I'm gonna hop over all to right. the wing side and I'm going to take a guy that probably should have won it at least one of the nights last year. I'm going to take Logan Schuhart. Ah oh, man, he is fast. Dude, that I can't think of too now, many people who should have won more. I need races. to send them a message and tell them pack that thing full of yeah. fuel because that's what happened last year. Both yeah. times it ran out of fuel. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And last year he was the only one that could really race David Gravel. I mean, then yeah, two were fast. on a, le a league of their own last year. I mean, put it this mm -hmm. way: Logan Schuhart was going so fast that his wing vinyl ripped off the wing. See, that's crazy. I mean, if you're going man. that fast, and that stuff's pretty pretty adhesive, and it sticks. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. The whole wing, both sides, gone. <laughs> that's nuts, dude. 
It's just nuts. All right, so uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, Josh Richards on the late model side. My number four pick. I like it. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and knock out my final late model pick, and I'm going to. Man, there's just so many options. Yeah, take... there is. Uh... Take Kyle Bronson. Kyle Bronson. He's another one that looked pretty fast. I was bouncing either. It was either Kyle Bronson or Tanner English, but I, my my mind's yeah. telling me go Kyle Bronson. All right. Well. For my last sprint car pick, I'm going to take the other Kyle, Kyle Larson. No surprise there. No, I think he's going to. I think he's going to have a good run there. So since nobody's talking about him, and he had some good moments last year, and he had some bad moments last year, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to throw my bike at him. I'm going to take Aaron Reitzel. Ooh, that's not a bad and one. And I tell you what, Tommy, last year when we went, Aaron Reitzel was so fast in practice and then the Thursday night practices. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they were bad fast. And they were the only team that I've watched in my life. Now I can actually say it. I, me and Wade watched them change eight engines in two hours. That's... Insane. That's like top two so, dragster stuff. Man. So, like that's I don't insane. know what <laughs> issues that they were having, but they put a motor in, fired it off, and he pulled off. And I'm like, all right, they're just getting engine heat. Look down in the pits, they're changing that motor. I'm like, what the hell is going on? But for the listeners out there, sprint car racing is interesting. It's awesome. There's a lot of mm -hmm. ins and outs. When you go to these bigger tracks, people don't really realize that when you go to Bristol, you have motors built just for Bristol. You're not going to take yes, absolutely. you're not going to take your best stuff off the shelf and and go run it there. I mean, you probably would if you're a smaller team, but if you're a bigger team, you have motors built just for Bristol. One, the wear and yes. tear is ridiculous. Like a, a good example is like I was taught in non-wing racing. If you go race a race at Lawrenceburg Speedway, which is a big three-eighths mile. Yeah, you might be running one race, but you're really putting two to three races on your on your engine. You can go to Kokomo, and you're not going to put as much wear on it. So when you go to Bristol, instead of putting that one race on it, now you just up the ante. You're putting four to five, maybe six races on one engine and three laps, which mm -hmm. is crazy. So yeah, they yeah. they changed eight engines in two hours last year. It was insane. They blew the one up, and when it blew apart, man, you you knew it. Yeah, it grew those engines. It, yeah. It, yeah, you hear about those guys who show up to Knoxville Nationals. They got that motor that's literally just good for yeah. the weekend. Like It's like, it's and, like and that's they'll, it. They'll send that's it back to it. whether it be rider racing mm -hmm. engines or Don Ott and here, refreshing this, put it put it back in the back. We'll pick it up for next year's Nationals. I mean, yep. that, that's what these yeah, guys do. They, they, have their, they have their bullets, and, they, and they'll mm -hmm. use them for their big events. And, and I just... I couldn't imagine going to Bristol being a car owner. And, oh, hey, well, how how the weekend go? Well, we changed eight engines this weekend, and yeah, because that's sixty to seventy that's a hell of an dollars investment. a pop. Yeah, that's a hell of an investment. Yeah. That's a quarter. That's a quarter mil in and, engines. And to not get a return on it is kind of it's a kick yes. in the shorts. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. 
All right, so my sixth and final pick, I got a, one more late model driver, and I'm just going to go with Scott Bloomquist. I think my man is going to have a good run. He was actually showing pretty consistent speed in uh, – in the uh in the practices so go with go with he, he's due too he is due yeah he is he is due it's been a he, while you know, and so. i wasn't gonna pick him but he, he's sitting here and he ran ninth and if you want to go by practice times man jimmy owens could use a good run too yes and absolutely both. Mm-hmm. yeah you know it's it the those late model guys dude there's so many good drivers um that are you know that run the world of outlaws late models and they don't win that often and it's easy to look for people to kind of look at it and be like oh well they're they're not that good or they're washed and it's like you got to realize if they were running any other series they would be the man like if it so happens they're with the the best if they if one of them went and ran the lucas oil series you could be calling them a champion I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, like, exactly. We talk about sprint car racing a lot because that's that's your interest. That's my interest. Mm-hmm. That's what we like. Mm-hmm. But, man, this late model field, whether it be the Outlaws or Lucas Oil or even local shows, the talent yeah. is stacked. Every- yeah, it really is, man. It really is. So, so those are our two, our two teams for our draft. So you've got David Gravel, Chris Madden, Kyle Strickland, Logan Schuhart, Kyle Bronson, and Aaron Reitzel. And I've got Jonathan Davenport, Brad Sweet, Sheldon Hodgeshield, Josh Richard, Kyle Larson, and Scott Bloomquist. So it'll be a lot of fun. Now, one driver that neither of us picked, but we do got to talk about before we close out the show today because news came out. We were talking about it before we started is our man Jason Sides. Jason Sides going to be hanging it up here. Um you know, he's not according to him, he's not he's not retiring, he's not leaving or anything like that, but he's going to he's basically kind of taking a step away from driving. Which um, man, that sucks to see. It does. You know, he's 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 49 years old. He's almost 50 years old. Um and he, according to him, you know, he's got a bad knee. Uh, his hip is not good. You know, he's he's really struggling yeah, to get in and out of the car. Yeah, he's saying he's in a lot of pain getting it. Yeah, which, if you're in a lot you of know, pain, then them it, cockpits are tight. So I, I well, yeah, that's not something you want to sit in. You know, I I can tell you when I was the one shot that I had to run a USAC midget, and this was a long, long time ago. I mean, this was almost 20 years ago. And I, we were doing the seat fitting for it, right? I was getting the cockpit and everything set up for me to run it in the spare car. Now, at that time, I had had uh, three knee surgeries already. And my knee was still not right because I ended up having a total of six knee surgeries. And it killed me as a 22-year-old to get into that car and sit in there, right? Now, this was my one chance to drive a midget. I didn't... It, I, didn't care if you were going to have to inject my knee before the race, I was going to do it, but you know, it, it hurt me. So to be almost 50, right. And have the, the amount of miles that he has, you know, put on his body in terms of in, in those race cars, um, when you're in that kind of pain, it's tough. It's really tough. And so he's going to be, uh, he's, he's running this weekend, the Bristol bash, and then he's basically opening up the seat in his car. He's going to be keeping the, the car on the tour and he's going to be opening up the seat, you know, for people who want to run it, um, which is actually really cool. And reading the article here on worldofoutlaws.com, 
the best part of this article is the fact that they end the article with any driver interested in partnering with Sides Motorsports can reach out to Paul Sides by emailing, and there's the email address. So if you're a driver and you're looking for a World Wonder of Outlaws sprint car email. ride, <laughs> <laughs> say, hey, man, I'm looking to, to join the, the rest of my non-wing brethren and hopping over to the wing side. What do you say? So, yeah, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, but I just think it's really cool that they're doing that. Now, obviously, I'm sure that they're going to have some takers, and you know, in in terms of what kind of drivers we could see, you know, in there. I mean, it opens up a wide list of potential opportunities. You could end up in that car, and the one that that popped in my mind is Rico Abreu. They they partnered last year. Rico's helping fund that team. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. It's like a perfect storm almost. And the, the second person that comes to mind is Corey Day. Look how much promise he showed on the West Coast yes. swing. So I mean, yeah, Corey Day is somebody's really, going to really land good. in a really good ride because let's be honest, Jason Sides has very good equipment, just not as fortunate as most big teams. And and yes. it's going to end up being a very good ride for somebody. Now I'm, I'm very yes. curious to see who takes it. Yeah, me too, man. Uh, it'll be interesting to see um, who gets it if if somebody you know comes in and and you know kind of takes it over for the majority of the season, or if they pop people in and out. Um, like you said, Rico Abreu kind of makes sense. Like you said, they they had kind of you know partnered. Um, Abreu had talked about running eighty percent of the Outlaw Tour this year, anyways, so that would make sense. Um, you know. Someone like Corey Day, could that happen? I mean, you know, that if, if it did, that would be incredible. I mean, you're talking, he, what is he, 15 years yeah. old, 16 years old? You know, to get that kind and, of opportunity would obviously be And insane. if anybody watched the West Coast Swing, they know what I'm talking about. Oh, my God, he was Dude, incredible. Came well, out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely, man. He he is so good. And, you know, the I mean, obviously, when you're a second-generation driver, right, and you grow up in it, um, it's just, it's, you know, not everybody shows that kind of promise, right? Like you've always had, you know, people who, who come in and, and, you know, I want to, I want to run, I want to be a champ. I want to do all this stuff, you know, that I grew up in it and that's my dream. I want to be like my dad and, and not, it doesn't always happen. And, you know, Corey Day has definitely been shown the promise, especially for a 15 year old kid. I, I, I read that press release, but I didn't read a lot into it. I wonder if that f- driver needs to come with funding or if the ride's already going to be uh, funded. Because if it's not, if a driver doesn't need to bring in funding, man, they're, they're, the door's wide open for somebody to have a good poss- a, a good seat, a good yes, showing. Because not only would you go out and, and race for Jason Sides and him potentially be like, hey, let's just keep doing this. You're, you're going to show yourself to the big stage, per se. It's mm-hmm. like being called yep. up from that, AAA. Now's your time. Yes, and that's the most important thing is that, you know, from the sounds of it, you know, sides from everything that that seems to be, they want to. He wants to stay in racing, right? He doesn't want to retire. He's just not going to be driving. It sounds like they still want to be a part of racing. So, you know. Are they looking for someone with funding? Do they need that? You know, I, I you know, you, when it comes to obviously, you know, cash is king in racing. It's, you know, we just talked about what teams can drop on, on things like motors and all that stuff like that. So, you know, if somebody does come with funding, I obviously that would, that would definitely be an added incentive. 
you know, heck, maybe we see another USAC guy wanting to come over to the wing side. Who knows? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> who knows? So it would be, uh, it'll be interesting to see who they end up with and in it, the car. It, uh, the rest and of the if season. it was another USAC guy, there's one name already coming to mind, and he's rode, drove a couple wing races last year, a handful of them. Imagine CJ Leary jumping over and partnering up with, uh, well, Jason Sides. I mean, I'm not saying that it is going to happen. Could you yes. imagine that? I could see that. I'm actually, I'm actually surprised that we have not seen him doing more wing races. You know what I mean? But like, I, 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 to be honest, I know I he's got that deal with Alex Bowman in the in the wing car, mm -hmm. but it seems like Alex Bowman's been running that car a lot more this year than than CJ. But then again, we're just getting started this year. Yes, that is true. Yeah, I mean the the real grind to the season is just now starting to kick off, you know, in terms of um, where we're going to have races happening all over the place where you'll start to see a lot of these guys who do that type of stuff where they bounce from car to car, you know, different teams, stuff like that, you know, where the, the and I'm only using this as an example, but this is where you start to see more of the, the Kevin Swindell type operations pop up, you know what I mean, where they've got these different drivers that come in, different teams, you know, they're bouncing from different series and stuff like that, so... Yeah, I think that is a possibility. Um, I would be, it would be really cool to see if, um, if he did do that, because um, I do think, I, I mean, obviously, when you're, when you've got that kind of talent like C.J. Leary does, I mean, I think you can put him behind the wheel of anything, and he's gonna be able to, get, yeah, get most, like, get the most. Like out he of might it. not be a wing guy, but he'll, he'll figure it out pretty quick. Yeah, he'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. You know, it was actually funny because when Buddy Kofoid won. Uh, this last weekend at Port City, he he talked about in in his interview. He's like, ah man, I just kind of started driving it like a wing car, kept it straight, and and he did too. <laughs> was able to you, able to get the win, yeah. It. Wow. Mm hmm. Yep. And that's a tight little track. Like that's not. It's not like they were on a half mile. They're on a. Yeah, bull the good ring. thing is Chase McDermott didn't have to go far when he got sent. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I hate to say that, but. I know, but it was it was bad. It was bad. I don't know, you know what I, I felt I don't bad know what for that him. guy was thinking. <laughs> yep, I felt bad for him. So I I do have to give uh I do have to give your boy Timez uh the award for greatest quote of the weekend where he said, I just want to run the high side because I can just pitch it in and lean back and go from there. He's like, <laughs> yeah. the bottom, you have to think too he, much. He started his own <laughs> YouTube channel and I highly advise anybody to check it out. It's, it's, it, it gets pretty common. That's great. Oh my God. That's great. So, and it always count on measure. Yeah. yeah and it, there's either a quote coming from him where he's, he's, or something spectacular on the track, yeah. Uh, that's one thing I tell exactly. people to do to sprint car racing or midget racing. Keep an eye on Thomas Meserol because if you're not a fan now, you will be after. Absolutely, the dude can flat out drive. He can and he, and he could be the the dad of most of the guys in the USAC midget series, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy, and I actually I love that. I love it. You know, when we over the winter when we when we did our you know, when we were talking about the legends of the track and I talked about Kenny Schrader, to me, Kenny Schrader is the ultimate dirt driver, right? Like that's the, if you, any hardcore dirt racing fan or someone who's ran dirt, no matter how much or how little, right? Like it, when they were a kid, if they wanted to be a, a, you know, race for a living, if you said, Hey, you could have this life, right. And you showed them Kenny Schrader's life where you're just going from track to track till you're 
in your 60s, you know, and you own a dirt track, it's it's just like, I'll, I'll take it. That's awesome. And Meserol seems like he's on that path where we're going to see him midget racing and, and sprint car racing until he literally has to be pried out of the car. And, you know, that's that's one thing Timez loves to do. And, yeah. And he's good at it. And he's very good at it. Exactly. And I would call exactly. him a hot shoe. He's yep. a hot commodity. Yep. He is. Mm-hmm. Yep, the guy can not drive. Only, so he's always always worth well, watching. Well, not only is he good, a great, a phenomenal midget racer, but if you're a new team and you go and sign a guy like Thomas Meserol, you just made your team better. Because he's mm-hmm. going to tell you, yeah, this this either yeah. sucks or this is really good. And I think he's in a really good spot with RMS. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's one of the best things that you can do as a team when you're trying to figure stuff out you know when i was out when i was running outlaw carts i had gotten this cart um you know a lot of the stuff that i had got was always second hand hand me down you know which i'm not complaining i was 100 grateful i did not care what i was out there racing with as long as i was out there racing and when we were running red bluff i kept having these problems and it was frustrating the hell out of me because i couldn't tell you know, I'm like, is it is it me or is it the car? I'm like, am I this bad or is my car this far off? Like, am I missing something with the car? And so I asked my my best friend who was, you know, he champion at, at cycling speed muscle plays. I'm like, dude, just run my car this weekend. I'll pay for everything, but just run my car this weekend. I got to know what the hell's going on. And he's like, yeah, sure. No problem, man. And he went out and ran it. And luckily, you know, halfway through the night, he's like, dude, it's your car. He's like, this thing is bad he's like i don't know how you get it around the track which was amazing because that obviously made me feel better but now it's like okay now i know what i need to work on and like you said mesrel is one of those guys that you could start a team throw him in it and you're gonna know like hey what do we need what's going on here because he has that not only that kind of talent but that kind of experience he's been racing for such a long time yeah and and any new up and coming whether you're in a midget or sprint car you're going to get a lot of constructive criticism and you, you mm-hmm. just got to, you got to take it. You got to be a sponge and absorb it. But yeah, if something's not right with the car, the best thing you could do is walk down the, down the pits, go find a veteran and be like, Hey, will you please shake this thing down for me and tell me whether it's good or it's bad or what do I need to do? Yep. yep. And I'm not exactly. saying everybody needs to do that, but It'd be a little more comforting, and you'd know, all mm-hmm. right, we got a good motor, we got a damn good car, or, all right, the car ain't good, the motor ain't good. Thank God we let this guy come in and, and shake it down for us. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, I could answer a lot of questions for you. Well, that and the good thing is if you do that, you went and found somebody that's been in the sport for a long, a very long time, and they could tell you right off the rip, like, hey, yes. this is what you need to do. Or your setup's wrong. Because that, yep. that's one thing that we did when we were racing. We were struggling with setup, and John Mimmer at the time was one of these hot commodity dot guys, and he was driving for his family-owned car. And he said, hey, bring your car down. Let me put my setup in your car just to see if we can get you feeling comfortable. And it was probably the best thing that we've ever done. Yep. Yeah, it makes a, it makes a huge difference. Because if you're, if you're not difference. comfortable behind the car, you I don't think you ever will be. You're screwed. No, uh-uh. 
absolutely not. You've got to be comfortable in the car. You've got to and be. I think because if you're not, you're just. And yeah. I think a lot of that's happening with Jason's sides because the older you get and the wear and tear on your body, the arthritis that comes with surgeries and broken mm -hmm. bones, man, it just. Them, them race cars, some sprint cars in general, midgets are, they're tight. They are tight. Oh man. Like if oh, you're claustrophobic, man. don't get into this type of racing. It is no, not God, for no. you. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't care that they've got suspension on them. Let me tell you right now, it is not a comfortable no. ride. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's not like being in a Cadillac, all right? It's it's all bad. So, so yeah, so Jason sides this will we'll see how he does at the Bristol Bash. Hopefully he has a he has a good weekend because it'll be uh it'll be cool to see and then we'll see we'll see who gets put in the car uh moving forward yeah, after there's that. So, so many yeah. options. Yeah, there is. It'll be it'll be fun to keep an eye on that. Go over the there and the snag Anthony Macri, who's been on fire of late. Oh my God, tell me! And I've had to hear so much about that in the SSR Discord from all these Pennsylvania posse guys. I'm so. <laughs> oh my God. So, but you guys, that's gonna do it all for this week's episode. Now we will be back next week. Uh, well, we should be back on Thursday next week. I don't think we've got anything coming up. Um, like I always tell you guys, Thursdays are always the plan. If not Thursday, it will be on a Friday for sure. But we should be back next week on Thursday. Now, really quick, do us a favor, please, before we go, make sure to share, download, and subscribe. That really helps us get this thing out there more and more. Um, like you heard Keith say, I mean, obviously, you know, we're the best podcast out there for racing and then, you know, door bumper clears behind us. So, uh, absolutely. let's keep it that way. <laughs> absolutely. Let's keep it that way. But no, if you guys please share, subscribe, give us a comment, rating, review, all that other good stuff. Uh, do that. Help for us, us help you we'll be back here. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll be back here next week to do this all over again. So Keith, my man, have a good weekend. Thanks. You too. I will, and all of you out there have a safe and fun weekend as well, and we will be back next week, and until then, as always, take care.